Good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another episode of What's Up with Power. My name is Justin Wagner with TMODZ. We are happy to have another episode of teaching you the basics of power-based training so that you can take your training to the next level. We have a group ride going on on Zwift over here. It's launching in 30 seconds. I'm going to send some messages to the group here to stick with me and... Uh, We've got a guest presenter, Nate Dunn, from Data Driven Athlete. You guys have seen him before. Great presenter. We always love his perspective. It's it's a good one, and uh, always really enjoy having him. So, let me get the group rolling here, um, and at the same time, switch to watch the live feed on my phone so I can monitor questions. So I think we will get this rolling all here, and there we are. We've got the live stream rolling. I'm rolling at well over 1.5 watts per kilo. I'm going to settle down, let everyone group up on me. And uh, I'm going to bring Nate on the screen. Nate, how you doing this morning? I'm doing well. Good morning, Justin. Uh, Nate's enjoying California weather. I'm dreaming of going to Arizona in a little over a week. Drive my brains out for a week. So I'll be maybe enjoying some of what you get all the time. Well, not, not all the time, but cer certainly the last, last couple of weeks, that's for sure. Awesome. Okay, well, I've got your first slide, Training with Power, the Y on the screen. I'm going to go off the screen, and you just let me know when to advance. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. And uh, for any of you that are new, again, my name is Nate Dunn, and uh, I'm a cycling coach out of Sacramento. Uh, my coaching company is called Data Driven Athlete. I have um, two young kids. My daughter is five years old. She started kindergarten this year, and then I have a young son um, who will be turning two uh, next week. So happy to be here this morning, excited to kind of introduce some of these uh, concepts to you for those of you that they that they might be new. And then for those of you that maybe are reviewing some of this stuff, hopefully we can um, highlight some additional stuff that maybe you missed. And of course, if you have any questions about any of the content that we discover here uh, or that we discuss here this morning, just let me know at the end and we can we can cover any any questions that you have. So let's go ahead and get started with the next slide. So this presentation or this content is largely um, coming from the book Training and Racing with a Power Meter. So the first uh, chapter that this book starts with is kind of building a case as to why training with power is worth your time. Now, even though Training and Racing with a Power Meter is still you know, considered to be the classic book or the classic reference on learning about training with power, it's, it's dated now. And the fact that this argument now is largely kind of a moot point where most people that are riding now, whether or not you're racing or whether or not you're just training for exercise, um, have already kind of heard about the you know, the uh, the value of training with power, and they've already been convinced of that fact. So this book kind of lays out a, a long case with lots of different examples, such as, you know, a better ability to track your fitness, analyze your races, identify strengths and weaknesses, maybe improve communication between you and if you're a coach, or maybe even improve communication in terms of talking with your friends about what types of rides you're doing, what, you know, what, what intensity your rides were, 
and then also helping to guide sports nutrition choices. So the book, you know, this chapter, if you have this book and if you're if you're kind of reading along, lays out a lot of different examples for for why training with power is worth it as opposed to training with heart rate. So we're not going to get into all of those details. And we could go to the next slide, please. We're not going to get into kind of the weeds of why training with power is more effective. If you're here at this presentation and if you're riding on Zwift, most of you are probably already utilizing a power meter and you've been convinced of that fact. So what we want to do is we want to zoom out a little bit and talk more about the concepts of uh, or, or kind of some of the core concepts at the at the uh, at the base of training with power. And even if you've been training with power for a long time or if this is new, hopefully this is some useful information to help you understand why it is that training with power can have such a huge impact on your cycling. So next slide please. So the the kind of the I would say the number one case of you know beyond all the different things that that are discussed in the book in terms of why training with power can help to improve your riding is that training with power helps us to create a measurable process-based approach to our writing. And that's really, I would say, the, the biggest and most convincing case for why training with power is worth your time and that it enables us to lay out a process to measure that process and to refine that process over time. So we're going to talk about kind of how do you do that? How is it that you create a process to help improve your writing and where does that even start? So next slide, please. So this is a very you know generalized slide you know we we uh, very simplified slide but if we look at cycling performance and if we kind of break it up into two components in terms of maybe about 50% of your you know your cycling performance coming from your genetic potential and then maybe 50% coming from how you spend your time training or kind of the training side of the equation then if we further break out that training and we say, okay, well, you know, some of the factors that contribute to training success, maybe our available training time, maybe about 15%, maybe about 10% coming from kind of mental toughness or your ability to kind of stay motivated. Um, and then I think it's probably appropriate to say maybe, maybe even 25% of our success in training comes from the quality of our process. And again, this is where Training with power helps to maximize the efficiency of our process, helps to maximize, you know, how um, how productive that process of training is and enables us to make course corrections, uh, you know, to make changes as we as we go along. So next slide, please. So we talked about this on a previous presentation on What's Up With Power, where we discuss um, how to make progress on the bike. But this slide, I think, is appropriate for this presentation as well, because if we're looking again at this continuum of cycling potential or cycling performance, and on one side we have genes, on the other side we have, you know, maybe deliberate practice. What power helps us do is it helps us, what training with power helps us do is it helps us move this slider all the way over to the other side to where we're focused on the deliberate practice side of improving and getting better and ultimately that's the area where we have the most potential to change and where we can um, we can get the you know the best use of our time focusing on, on on deliberate practice and process as opposed to thinking about or or kind of um, you know being frustrated with our, our lack of our lack of genetic potential so next next slide please so where does this process start? Um, so our process of training with power or kind of the methodology behind training with power as discussed in, in the book starts with science and it starts with this concept of the lactate threshold. And a lot of people, most of you, you know, might be familiar with this, con you know, with this uh, concept of the lactate threshold. It's something that is commonly discussed now when it comes to cycling, but sometimes we can kind of lose sight of exactly what it means and, and why it's important to understand when it comes to developing a process for for our cycling. 
So next slide, please. So first of all, we want to start kind of with the with the the bare bones definition of the lactate threshold. And the lactate threshold is simply the point at which your body can no longer maintain equilibrium between lactate production and clearance. So it's that threshold to where your body can no longer clear lactate and then lactate levels begin to accumulate exponentially in the blood. So next slide, please. So why does this matter? Why do we even care about this, this, this idea of the lactate threshold? And there's a lot of support in literature for the lactate threshold really being the best measure we have of endurance performance, not just on the bike, but in, but in other endurance sports as well. So on the bike, we say our power at lactate threshold. Uh, when it comes to swimming, we might say our, you know, our swimming speed at lactate threshold. When it comes to running, we might say our pace at lactate threshold. But whatever it is, the lactate threshold is, is, a, is a great measure of endurance performance across all those sports. And when it comes to, to training with power, it's central to power-based training. So a lot of our metrics that we use um, through Training Peaks or other platforms are all kind of central to this idea of the lactate threshold. So we're going to discuss kind of what a typical lab testing protocol looks like. What does it look like from the lab? And then expand that a little bit to look and see what it looks like in a practical sense on the bike. So next slide, please. So we have here, you know, pretty clean graph. This is not what... Um, this is not what a lot of lactate, blood lactate tests look like in the lab, but if we look at them in aggregate, this is kind of a good picture of, of what they might look like. So just to explain this graph a little bit on the bottom, on the horizontal axis, we have power, we have intensity as listed in power in watts. And on the vertical, um, vertical axis, we have lactate concentration in millimoles per liter of blood. So that's kind of what we're looking like. And in a typical blood lactate test, we have stages where an athlete will go through where, let's say maybe every three minutes, there'll be an increase in wattage. And then at each, at each of those stages, then they'll be taking a sampling of blood, usually from the ear, to then test for the blood lactate concentration. So in this graph here, you can see here, as we move through the intensity spectrum, we have this deflection point um, that's happening at about four millimoles per liter of blood lactate. And this is generally what we've what, what, what we've kind of settled on as being our definition that's most appropriate to endurance sport of the lactate threshold. So next slide, please. So we want to take this concept from the lab where we're taking blood samples and where we're kind of in this very fixed and, and sterile environment. And we want to say, how can we best apply that in a practical sense to the bike where we're you know, using our power meter on a day-to-day -day basis and, um, and using it in all kinds of different, different circumstances from a race to training on Zwift or, or whatever that might be. So next slide, please. So to kind of talk a little bit about this transition from the lab to the bike, right? So we take this concept of the lactate threshold, which is generally a lactate concentration of four millimoles per liter of blood. So for different people, this can be different. This can range, um, but generally we've kind of settled on approximately four millimoles per liter of blood. And that measure of the lactate threshold from the lab correlates well with approximate average power over a 40 KTT. Uh, also average power, approximate average power for a 60 minute all out TT. Uh, approximately, and this is where a lot of you are familiar with, approximately your 20 minute um, peak power minus about five to 15%. So this is the measure that, that Zwift is going to use to estimate your, your FTP. Um, but 
another another kind of um, connection back back to that laboratory based understanding of, of lactate threshold. Or another one, if you're you know someone who's writing a lot of criteriums or aggressive group rides, you know maybe your 60 minute peak normalized power. So these are kind of all these different measures that we've looked at, and we've said these all correlate pretty well with what that that laboratory based measure of the lactate threshold is. So next slide, please. So this is where we get this term functional threshold power because we don't really care about blood lactate levels when it comes to, you know, spending our time on a bike on a day to day basis. Most of us, even if we had access to a laboratory where we were taking, you know, blood lactate samples on a regular basis, that wouldn't be something we'd be interested in. And so instead we say, what's a functional measure of this lactate threshold? And then we come up with this term or the founders of Training Peaks, you know, came up with this term FTP or functional threshold power. And really what that is is saying the lab is interesting, you know, when we're looking at studies and when we're, when we're looking at kind of measuring specific variables in a laboratory, we want that specificity of blood lactate concentration. But when it comes to a practical sense, power meter is much more functional. It's much more usable to us on a, on a daily basis. And FTP, this measure, serves really as the foundation of power-based training. So if you're familiar with training peaks of those different metrics from, you know, any of the, any of the kind of... Um, uh, I would say common metrics used in analyzing a file and in future presentations, you know, you'll see different presenters talk about a lot of these different things, what I consider to kind of be in the weeds a little bit of, you know, lots of different power jargon. And most of the most of that terminology, either from a analyzing a power file or from kind of zooming out a little bit and looking at a large perspective, like you might see in the performance management chart. All of those are based on the FTP. So understanding the FTP really is, is the foundation of our, of our power-based training. So next slide, please. So we've started with kind of this understanding of the lactate threshold. So when we, when we look at this power-based process, we start with this understanding of the lactate threshold um, coming from science. Um, we establish our FTP, right? So we either do that through looking back at past data or we do some current baseline testing. On Zwift, you know, I know they have a, a, a workout there where you can, it'll guide you through the process of determining what your FTP is. Um, so this power-based process starts with understanding the lactate threshold, establishing our FTP. And then number three, we want to begin to create specific goals. And again, future presentations cover this um, on, on, on Justin's show. Um, but this is kind of the, the sketch of, of what this process looks like when we use power. So we create specific goals. Um, and from those goals, then we target workouts. We create workouts to help us achieve those goals. So those goals might be specific power-based goals. They might be um, you know, total volume-based goals over the course of, you know, of a week. Other presentations you've had on here have talked about how to create an annual training plan using CTL or TSS targets. So again, even if these terms are unfamiliar to you, um, it's important to understand that they still kind of fit into this framework of, of utilizing power to help us develop a better process. So three, we create specific goals. Four, we target workouts or we create workouts to help us achieve those goals. Um, we track our progress. Another thing that power enables us to do is take a very objective measure of whether or not we're getting stronger or not. Is our power improving over a variety of, of durations or are we kind of stagnating and plateauing? And in the event that we are stagnating or plateauing, it allows us, it allows us to kind of evaluate what our goals are. Have we, have we achieved them? Have we not? And then to re revise our training and to essentially experiment with another approach or another, you know, other types of workouts or a different way of laying out those workouts. So if we go to the next slide, please. 
So we zoom out again and we look at this kind of this this process. This is why training with power um, can have such an incredible impact on your training. So whether or not you're brand new to Zwift and you're just utilizing power to kind of help you, you know, participate in in the game on Zwift, um, that's a great way to use power too. Um, but in terms of improving and getting better, power gives us all these tools to kind of create this measurable process-based based approach um, to help us continue to get better kind of over the long term. So we're going to hop into the uh, the Q and A portion here. If you have any questions about maybe how to you you know how to utilize power in in your specific scenario to kind of improve your training, or even if you know another idea has popped in your head about about something else, um, you can feel free to to let those fly in the Facebook comments box. If if you can't follow up with that, or if you're watching this a- afterwards, you can always shoot me an email at nate at datadrivenathlete.com, and uh, and I'd love to follow up with you. Sorry for the long pause. I was trying to type in a message to the game right as soon as Nate passed the ball back. So here we are. Thank you, everyone, for coming. Like Nate said, we've got time now to address questions. I will do my best. If you're writing in the game and want to send a message through the game, I'll do my best to relay those. But they don't stick around because I'm not using the mobile app. So if you put them in Facebook or if you put them into the Discord chat. I'm watching that as well. And uh, we can relay those and address them. Uh, Nate's usually really good about uh, following up. We also um, we do have a forum. Uh, if you're watching, uh, I'll, we'll post a link to the forum as well. You may see it, the video there. But uh, we got, oh, looks like Patrick Verissimo just joined us on the live stream. Nate knows nice. Patrick well. Uh, is athletes happy to have Patrick here with us? Wherever so, he's at, it, wherever he's at in the world right now, right? Yeah, Mr. World Traveler, no doubt. Okay, we've got a question here from Travis Tandy. Is there an easy way to correlate heart rate to power somewhat? Ooh, good question. Yeah, I would say probably um, the best way to understand that relationship between power and heart rate um, is steady state efforts. So time trial type efforts. So, you know, if you're doing like a, a, a typical power test, so a very typical power test is maybe you warm up a little bit and then you ride as hard as you can for 20 minutes. So that's a power test that, you know, that Zwift uses. Um, but any type of effort where you're, you, you have a steady state effort and you're doing a maximal effort really gives you a great opportunity to look specifically at that relationship between power and heart rate and where at what, you know, at what point there becomes a, you know, a disassociative relationship or your, you know, your, your heart rate begins to rise disproportionately to what your power is at. So that's really when I'm looking at, at, at workout files, that's one thing that often cues me in to something happening in the workout is kind of being able to look at that and see how power rises in relation to power. Sorry, how, how heart rate um, rises in relation to power. Now, that can be sometimes difficult if you're riding on Zwift and that oftentimes there's almost always this um, this disassociative relationship because you're riding indoors, um, you know, your cooling isn't as efficient as being outside. And so your core temperature begins to rise and your heart rate, um, you know, rises um, disproportionately to your power just because you're unable to cool yourself. So this is another interesting, you know, can be an interesting kind of experiment for yourself 
to say, hey, when I ride outside and I'm riding at 200 watts steady for 30 minutes, what does my heart rate do? When I'm riding indoors and I'm riding at the same intensity, what does my heart rate do? And then what might that teach me about maybe improving my workout space at home? Should I get a bigger fan or, you know, am I not maybe hydrating enough? Am I not, you know, uh, putting enough fluids back in? So, um, but I would say in general, any, any, um, any kind of steady state effort that you can do is a great opportunity to see what relationship that has um, between your heart rate and power. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the converse way to answer that is, um, the reason for the long steady state efforts is you'll notice as you start looking at your power and heart rate that you can go do sprints or hard efforts and the heart rate lags quite a bit. You will have been doing a fair amount of work before your heart rate even starts to increase or get to the level that corresponds to that power. And so like trying to do sprint workouts off of heart rate, it's impossible. And it's just it, the heart rate usually peaks after you're done sprinting, actually. So, um, yeah, great answer. Yeah, my my best advice would be is just to jump in and experiment and, you know, use whatever, you know, whatever um, training software you have, even if it's, you know, Garmin Connect, a free option or Strava or Training Peaks, is to jump in there and look at it and look at it next to each other and, and kind of begin to begin to experiment with that and kind of learn more about it from from your own files. Well, and I think what's interesting is a lot of people are asking that question because they want to be able to train with just heart rate and not by a power meter. And really the answer we're saying is, we'll look at the data side by side, which requires a power meter. But, uh, I mean, honestly, there's enough individualized nature of heart rate. I mean, everyone's got different thresholds, so we can't say because you're so this age, your heart rate should look like that. Like it doesn't hold true for everyone, so, so yeah. yeah. So understanding to, it is really an individualized thing. Yeah, and I, just to, just to, to jump in on that, I would say to Justin's point, um, I don't even use heart rate as a training tool at all. Um, so if someone doesn't have power, I just I have them utilize RPE or rate of perceived exertion in their workouts. We don't even use we don't even use heart rate. So heart rate really is. Um, the, the only way I use it primarily is as kind of a post-ride analysis tool to look at those relationships. But in terms of guiding your workouts, um, I think you're better served by um, by utilizing RPE to kind of guide your effort as opposed to as opposed to looking at power as opposed to looking at heart rate. And then if you want, you can look at heart rate after the fact and kind of learn some interesting things there. But in in the moment, I think it's either power or RPE are your best tools to 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 drive your workout. Absolutely. One of the interesting things you can pick out from your heart rate data, so if you're training with RPE or power, one of the things you can pick out nicely is when you're done with an interval and you're going back to a rest session, um, watching how quickly your heart rate comes back down and, and settles. As you become more and more fit, you should see, you know, you'll, you'll notice your heart rate recovers quicker. Or that's That's an interesting, it's not that heart rate data is not valuable at all you know when Nate says he doesn't use heart rate he means he does not prescribe workouts based on heart rate that doesn't mean you shouldn't record the data it is interesting information to have um, okay I better read this for expires well doing a step test to give me a better number to shoot for during FTP test I always have a number an issue pacing it so doing a step test versus 
the 20 minute test. Are you familiar with the step test testing protocol? Yeah. Yeah. So a step test is, is what is, what is generally used in a laboratory setting or, or what's called a graded exercise test where, you know, basically that, that graph that I showed you of the, the lactate threshold um, from a lab, that is a step test. So essentially you're, you know, you're going up in, in increments of a set amount of wattage and going up further and further and further until you can, um, until you, until you can't, can't go anymore. So the limitations of a step, well, I'd say the advantages of a step test are that they are short and they are much more controlled and they, you know, they, they, they generally only take maybe 15 or 20 minutes. The disadvantage of a step test is, is that if we're trying to establish um, FTP, right, or if we're, if we're trying to establish a lactate threshold, um, what a lactate threshold is, is it is essentially a, a metabolic steady state, right? So it's that point right it's that point with which our bodies can effectively buffer lactate um, without kind of going over an, an exponential increase and in order to better understand that level longer efforts are generally preferable so 20 minutes is, is usually kind of the, the the minimal amount of time you'd want to to kind of better understand that lactate threshold preferably if if we all had the opportunity we'd want to do something like 60 minutes and essentially the longer that effort is the more precisely it will enable us to understand that metabolic steady state. When you're doing a step test and you're just kind of ramming through those, those, uh, the, those stages, it can be sometimes impossible to establish a metabolic steady state, which oftentimes will then lead to overestimating your lactate threshold or your FTP. So there are, there are you know, I guess I'd say time reasons why a step test, you know, might be effective for you. And for many people, they can still be a really effective way at estimating your FTP. But in general, the longer efforts, I think, give a better result and, a more a and, and are a more accurate way to kind of estimate your, your FTP. So some advantages, some disadvantages, but in general, um, longer test um, I think results uh, um, drives better results if you're if you're looking at, at getting a better measure of your FTP. Absolutely. Now there is one benefit of the step test you didn't mention. It uh, is much more engaging to watch live. There you go. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It is way more interesting to watch. So it, it does drive viewership up <laughs> when you if you haven't been streaming your live stream now uh, your your FTP test now now. There's, you know, we talked about two or a couple general tests. There's so many FTP tests out there. And I think what it really comes down to is consistency and how you're measuring where your threshold should be. Does, everyone's going to test slightly different in different tests, but being consistent with yourself and it's measurable so you can say, you know, I'm just really not there this year. I can tell my fitness isn't there. I was talking to a guy recently who he uses a certain segment on uh, Mount Lemon as his like fitness. I mean, he does train with power, but kind of uh, the ground truth is, can I get under this time on that climb? Where am I at? You know, am I fooling myself? And so, I mean, that's a legit way. Am I at the level where I can make that climb and under so many minutes or am I off this year? You know, that's a, that's yeah. a, that's a perfectly valid gauge as well. Yeah. And I would say to, to kind of go back to the, to the threshold test, like, like you talked about, Justin, I'd say whatever it is that you choose, if you find something that really works for you and it's more motivating for you and, and it works, I'd say it's fine. I would say, choose one that works for you. That's repeatable. 
but then my the next comment would be is to err on the side of being more conservative. You know, there's this um, and, and to remember that all of these tests are approximations of this lactate threshold. And the problem with that oftentimes is, is that we do a test and we want the result to be higher than it that, than it maybe actually is in terms of looking at your lactate threshold. And so it makes a lot more sense to be conservative in your estimate and to be able to, you know, drive workouts in the future and to effectively complete those workouts as opposed to saying, I want this number to be higher and then running into a lot of frustration and disappointment when you're unable to complete future workouts because those levels haven't been set right. So whatever test you do, I'd say find one that works for you and then err on the side of conservatively estimating your FTP as you, you know, uh, as you shoot for your workouts uh, at a later date. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but your your results in races aren't a direct correlation of your FTP setting in your training software. So yeah, sure. <laughs> as much as you know, we all want it to improve. You also need something that you can train with and see real progress. And there are more aspects of being fit and in shape than just your FTP going up. We talk about later in the series performance manager chart and increasing your CTL. You can have a really great FTP, but if your CTL is is 20, you're not going to last for much more than an hour. Tops. Yeah, and and to kind of to kind of get to that point too, we're talking kind of we right now we have an you know we're talking about an overemphasis on FTP, and it's not that FTP is the be all and end all of your training. We're only talking about it in the sense of how it how it serves as the foundation for a process-based approach. So yes. it's important also to understand that we're not saying, um, you know, that FTP is, is, is all you should focus on. Um, you know, you can take your power curve from five seconds all the way out to four hours, and there's all kinds of valuable insight and areas to be trained and to be focused on. We're simply talking about it in this way because it serves as the foundation for understanding um, a power-based training approach as you kind of get into the game of, of training with power. Absolutely. And, and somebody who's making waves in this field is Sufferfest. They're, they've launched their, their 4DP, right, where they're talking about not just one point in your power curve, but four. And, that, and that's great. That's opening up the conversation for people to realize that my sprint power, training my sprint power, can be completely disassociated with my, with my power is from my, my threshold. And my workouts for sprints really shouldn't be based on what my threshold power is. And this is true. Anyone who knows their power curve would say, yeah, well, there's really more than four numbers, right? It's a, it's a completely continuous curve, but, you know, we may not need to train your five-minute and ten-minute power differently from your four-minute and 50-second power. But the point is, uh, you know, just your threshold tells one part of the whole story. So Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, as you as you kind of start this journey, if you're new to training with power – you can get, you know, deep into the weeds on all different types of training and, and, you know, should you do this intensity and should you do this intensity? And, and, you know, a lot of the different topics on this show will, you know, kind of covers that, or if you want to go back to the archives and view some of that, um, but understanding kind of this core concept and, and coming up with a system that you yourself use. So whether or not, you know, if you're next to Mount Lemon, that might be your best chance to, to, you know, to understand where your FTP is at. If you're stuck indoors, then it, that might be finding a type of test protocol that is time efficient for you and enables you to stay motivated and engaged. You know, whatever it is, figure out what that is, stick with it. Um, so then you can kind of implement um, those different test periods over time to help to improve your, you know, your process and your understanding of getting better. 
Absolutely. Well, time is up for today. Nate, I want to thank you again for coming. If you guys have more questions, you can contact him at nate at datadrivenathlete.com. If you like the content on the channel, we ask you to hit like and subscribe. And we're live here on Facebook, Twitch, Mixer, YouTube, whichever one works best for you to watch. The recordings are available afterwards on most of those channels. Uh, YouTube's probably the best for rewatching later. We have a playlist where you could scroll back through the whole history and uh, pick up past conversations. If you need to just pick out a particular uh, particular question you have, you can go back and answer those. So with that, I'll say thank you for joining the show and we hope to see you next time.